Wait, why are you cutting? Why, why are you cutting my shit over here? I wasn't. It what was italicized. It was driving me nuts. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it was italicized. I didn't. Do I can't that. handle yeah, that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the wrong section, so I moved it. Was it that? Was it that like paragraph of text that was up here mm-hmm. behind yeah. Owen's name? Yeah. yeah. Well, I just I don't know where to put things. You oh, know, it's about nor- a film typically. or TV. <laughs> we have the section labeled. No, no. So <laughs> here's the thing: is before I have added stuff into the topics, but someone comes in and deletes everything because they're like, "Oh, hey, new podcast, delete everything that's here." But I've already added the things I wanted to talk about that week. We just tend to delete dumb stuff too, so. <laughs> That works again. Uh, <laughs> you just delete me out of the podcast, then. It's we so much easier. We edit you out pretty Forecast episode 77. The Forecast is a bi-weekly podcast produced every Thursday. A group of people who love it, exploring and discussing all kinds of things from board games to video games to film and TV, things that are in the news, also things that we sort of just encounter throughout our everyday lives. Uh, if you want to check out some other th- stuff we've worked on, other things we've worked on, you can follow us at facebook.com forward slash we are the horizon community, or you can check out our website at www.wearethehorizon.com. Additionally, everything we talk about, uh, we put into cast notes and we push it out to whatever podcasting app you're using. So uh, make sure and check those out as well. Um, did, by the way, did any of you guys listen to last week's cast or two weeks ago cast that I posted? It was a flashback. The flashback one? Yeah. I nope. saw that it was a flashback one and I almost glad, clicked it. I'm glad you guys participate so much in this. this is, hey, this we is record good. it. I'm yeah. sorry. Do you see all of the pre-work that I do for this that you just were complaining about? Listen, I want to tell you, it was a very good cast. We started it out with a top 10 that I found on top10list.com or something. Oh my And gosh. it was about the best uh, written stories in video games. Ooh. I don't know if you guys remember doing that cast, but Bioshock was like a number nine. Oh, and then yeah, we were that very now. concerned that there was going to be nothing below. Like, you know, what could possibly be better than Bioshock story? Oh, and one of the uh, Mass Effects was there, too. I think Mass Effect 2. That would be if there's going to yeah. be one, it's going to be the good one. Hopefully yeah. it was two. Well, I was inspired. I was looking up some more top 10 lists. Oh, no. You know, because I thought, hey, we should start with the top 10 list. But then I realized that's just kind of stupid because we've done that before. But then I did find uh, a <laughs> list did titled. It this is a titled, roller coaster. <laughs> Kokatu's top ten. Did I say Kokatu? Wow. It's a struggle. It's a struggle today. The top five list of top ten lists. I oh hate this. My gosh. This is my nightmare. No, please stop. <laughs> Why isn't it a top ten? Because it's a top five of top ten. Is this an indie? You can't have video? top ten of a top ten. Yeah, it should be a top no. ten of top ten lists. I'm I just upset. want to tell you what the top five of these top ten lists are that are listed. Gosh. Just real quick, just real quick. The seven deadliest birds in video games. Number that's one. a terrible one. <laughs> like, I don't know the list, but that's a stupid concept. I can only think of one, and it's the Bioshock Infinite one. Songbird, yeah, that's a pretty good choice. Yeah. 11 hardly seen sequels. What is 10? Okay. okay. Uh, this is a good question. 10 of the strangest characters you'll ever across, come across in Skyrim. Uh, <laughs> five. <laughs> exactly that. 10 so of the strangest garbage. characters you'll ever come across. I know. Five games for singles on Valentine's Day. And last but not least, <laughs> Uh, 10 most difficult video game achievements that aren't actually worth it, which mm. is 
probably I mean probably a good list. I was looking over some of it, but probably there's a Stanley Parable one that's like play for a hundred years or something. <laughs> okay, it's not a hundred, but it's years. <laughs> well, apparently this list has number one as there there is a achievement for a thousand troll skulls in Skyrim. In Skyrim. To take, have them in your inventory. To collect them, yes. To find co- like. Like have them in your inventory. Like, okay, sure. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> That's something, all right. Something. Um. So let's start with what have you guys been playing lately, Alex. Do you want to start? As usual. Yeah, I just want to let you know the list of top ten lists reminded me. There's a Wikipedia article called "The List of Lists" that has a list of all the lists in Wikipedia. <laughs> oh, is it on what? its own list? It is a list. That's a good question. Because it is a list. It better be on its own list. I'm gonna be upset if it's not on that list. <laughs> Because then, what if you make a list? list? I don't know. There's also a list of list of lists. I don't know what the difference is. I mean, you'd have uh, to anyway. make like a list of lists that aren't on the list of lists. You know what I mean? It's no, true. Let's stop, please. How exactly <laughs> would you? Hmm. I don't know. I'm sorry. I played games. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, Globe Sweeper. I played. It is basically Minesweeper, but it's on a sphere instead of in a square. Yeah, how so is how that is different that at all? Enticing. Because no there's borders, no right? yeah, there's no borders. So you run wow. into the situation where you don't have enough information to find something, like a lot less often, because there's always stuff around the thing that you're looking at. Because it's all connected. It's pretty cool. If you like Minesweeper. Probably I don't know like that. that I understand also what really you mean cheap. by no borders. Yeah, I don't like, know. Minesweeper has a top, bottom, left, and right. Yeah. Where you can't get information oh, past those sections. Okay, this yeah. is all wrapped around a sphere. I thought you so. meant like there was no grid. And I was like, that. Yeah, you just can't play it. That's <laughs> not how the game works. You're just clipping, it's clicking in, um, blobs of space. Oh, yeah. Nothing there. It's, it's hexes. So. Oh. Nice. Everyone likes hexes. Yeah. Why wasn't it globes within globes? It's a good no. question. It's very cheap. Check it out. It's on Steam. <laughs> okay. Uh, Prey, I played, which is really kind of old at this point. A couple years old. Maybe two years old. Still don't know how you Smart, can play that I might game. be lying. Because you're so scared I'm, of games. So, yeah. this is my test case for <laughs> trying to play a game that's kind of scary. You chose Prey for your test case? Yeah. It's a pretty good test case, I feel like. I mean, it seems like it's a little bit higher on the, on the Fear Factor scale than many Bioshock. other games you can I mean it's not a horror game it's probably something like closer to Bioshock that's just like it's got yeah. a creepy atmosphere and there's it's monsters and stuff yeah, I feel like tense. it's Bioshock like to a T yeah. yeah pretty much you even get a wrench don't you you yeah. do you start with a wrench <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh wrench. my gosh when you appear on the station the architecture identical to Rapture yeah like everything all of the interior design looks identical it's and crazy. the fact that coffee cups can kill you just like in bioshock <laughs> <laughs> actually yeah that that i've been enjoying that game it's kind of slower paced and yeah. i've been able to play it so far so there's that have you been playing it at night with the lights off mm, been playing it with the lights on i think coward <laughs> wow i'll say it. we were all thinking it <laughs> we weren't uh, I've played a few hours of Shadows Awakening, something I've had on my wish list for a while, but I haven't really taken the plunge until now. It's basically a 
isometric action RPG, like Diablo style. Uh, the twist is that you are this demon dude that takes over souls, and you're essentially switching between hero classes on the fly. So you have like an archer person that has a couple of abilities, and then like you can hit a button and switch to like a mage girl that has a couple of different other abilities, and you can all you can do that like as much as you want. Yeah, is this like a thing where you you want to be constantly switching between classes, or just pretty occasionally? much? Okay. Yeah, because you can like throw a bunch of stuff and have that be on cooldown, switch to a different character, throw their abilities. Right. Uh, also, there's like a bunch of like situational stuff where you'll want to switch to like the little ranger guy that throws like oil on people and switch to the elementalist chick that uses fire damage. And then okay, the, cool. the oil like helps the fire out. Right. Stuff like that. And it, it's, it's basically like you're playing several Dota heroes at once. And like switching between them because it's only like a handful of abilities per per person. Okay. Pretty cool. And also, when you switch to the demon, who's his own character, the entire world shifts to like the demonic plane or like the shadow plane or whatever. And there is like different, like a bridge might be down in the real world. You switch to the shadow plane, and there's like rocks that you can cross over, or like there's like a wall that's broken down in the shadow realm but it's there in, in reality so you can like get different places and there's different like loot stuff that you can find in different realms so you gotta like explore both at the same time pretty cool concepts um have you stood on a broken like a broken bridge in the place that it's not broken and transformed just to see what happens you know I have not mm. I don't know what would happen <laughs> Might it's always just a fun die. experiment I don't know because you it won't let you walk off the edge when you're in reality. Mm. Just gonna freak so out I, and flip you somewhere. Yeah, random. I don't know. And there's also like monsters that only exist in the shadow plane and monsters that only exist in the human realm. Mm. And you can switch back and forth, kind of similar to how the time level works in um, Titanfall. Yep. Where there's like different sets of enemies you're fighting at the same time. Yep. Yeah, so that's always cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun so far. Um, Far Cry New Dawn came out, and me and Aaron have been co-oping that. It's more Far Cry Five essentially. I mean, like, um, yeah, basically, is Far Cry Five just they, slightly different setting? They've like tweaked progression a little bit, where you're like collecting crafting materials to to unlock new gear and stuff like that, and uh, you've got to like upgrade your home base with ethanol. To unlock tiers of equipment. But the good thing is that your co-op partner doesn't seem like they're locked out of weapons and stuff like that mm. based on story progression. That's weird. That was my favorite feature of Far Cry 5. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing like, they're really locked out of is contributing towards the base, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Um, so because like, I I've, go ahead. I've been spending ethanol to upgrade my base because it's my boasted game. And Aaron's just like been collecting ethanol, and so he's got like a thousand something now that he can't really use. I suppose no, he could just go spend it all if he goes starts his own game. Yeah, I'm just gonna go start my game and just it's like New Game Plus. I'll just start with it fully upgraded. <laughs> It'd be great. But like in uh, five, it would be like you have to kill one of the three lieutenants to unlock this weapon. And you would never get the story progress to do that if you were the co-op partner. So you could just never get that weapon. 
And in this game, it's just like if the base and the host is upgraded to whatever tier it needs to be to be at that weapon tier, and you go collect the crafting materials to be able to build the weapon, then you can just build it. And there's no like uh, story mission unlocks for skills either or anything really. I mean, it's just everything's yeah, it's just available right at the beginning, which is nice. I think the coolest thing about this, though, is they added this uh, feature that like lets you reset the little bases around the map that you have to capture to make them higher and higher difficulty. Um, and what's it? Is it called salvage? You yeah, something like that. You basically okay. like scrap the base, like strip it of all its materials, and then the bad guys come and like repossess it. And then it's gone up a star tier, and you have to like retake it over, and it's more difficult. And if you want, you can do that immediately. Just take a base, redo it, and then you just spawn right outside the base. And of course, you think you can take it again, but it's not exactly that easy. Difficulty wraps up pretty good. We started playing it on the hardest difficulty to begin with anyway. Started? Did you turn it down? <laughs> no. No, no. We still, I mean, we started the game with the highest difficulty, and then like the difficulty of the bases goes up from there. Okay, okay. The other new thing is they have something called expeditions, which seems like they're little one-off missions in like new areas that are not on the map. So like you load into the one that we did was like we loaded into where this aircraft carrier was, and it's like this massive base, and there was a package we had to find in the boat somewhere, and then the package had like a GPS tracker on it, so all these people were chasing us, and we had to escape on a helicopter. I ramped a car off the side of the boat it was great Classic. i think those will escalate as well you can like level those up essentially nice. it seems like a, a nice addition for basically just putting you know fresh face on the same game because it's you know it's the same map we drive by places all the time i'm like i'm pretty sure i've been here oh no i was here in far cry 5 when we did that one <laughs> specific mission yeah it sounds about right some so. of the characters carry over but they're older um, How far in the future does it take place? Like 17 years or something like that? Yeah. Oh, that's not as far as I thought it was. Yeah. It's really weird because a bunch of nukes go off and then in the opening cinematic they talk about how they came out of their bunkers like six years later or something like that. Mm. Like, <laughs> it doesn't seem like you should be able to do that. You probably but... shouldn't do that. <laughs> that it wasn't right. really nukes. Also, all of the like animals are all weird and definitely like they've been affected by radiation yeah, I was about to say, mm-hmm. so it definitely was nukes <laughs> i well, mean it could have just been yeah. weird bombs you know <laughs> well it could have also just been the bliss explosions you know maybe yeah, that, that just makes changed sense. everything mm-hmm. maybe you're just tripping balls on bliss and that's the whole game <laughs> oh my gosh it's if you wake up sequence. and that's the whole game there's still bliss in this game if you were worried about that i oh. really wasn't <laughs> <laughs> just but in this know. game there's additionally fire that you can light, and it just protects you from the bliss. That's yeah, fire protects you from the bliss. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? I've been handy in the last game. <laughs> um, also been playing Metro Exodus. Um, I don't want to take all the games, but no, just that, take them that all. Whatever. Yeah, why don't you why just do go down even... the list? It doesn't yeah. matter what we have. We're here to support you. Anthem, Alex. that game's pretty good too. Apex, that game's pretty good too. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. These are all games that most of us have played. Uh-huh. Yeah. Have we talked about Apex on the podcast? No, we have not. We have not. No. Really? Because we yeah, skipped two weeks ago. Um, yeah. And I don't know how long. It's been out for like two weeks now, right? 
Yep. Thereabouts. A little more, I think. Well, Alex, you want to talk about it since you're talking about all the other games? No, I'm good. Okay, perfect. <laughs> all right, I'll go. I've also been playing Far Cry New Dawn. Played a little Dota 2. Uh, Apex Legends, um, which I don't know how anybody wouldn't have heard about this game yet, but it's you know yet another Battle Royale that came out, except this one's made by the people who made Titanfall 2. Um, and it has... I don't know why, but it feels great. Maybe it's because it's there's there's classes that you can choose. Um, or maybe it just felt great for like the first week. And now I feel like people are getting too good at it. And so I haven't been playing <laughs> as much. Classic Battle problem Royale problem. Multiplayer. Or Pretty much any anything. multiplayer shooter. Yeah. It's my issue. People get too good. Too quickly. And you're just never one of those people? No, I'm Man. not. Life sucks, dude. I like the first like week of a multiplayer game where all the noobs are in there. Nobody knows what's going on. I have like a decent chance. Yeah. Now the best is when they have a free weekend and you can like jump back uh, into it and just destroy yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you live for? You just wait and they're like announcing a free weekend. Like, oh my gosh, yes. I mean, usually it's like, oh, they're having a free weekend. Do you guys want to play this? And people who don't have it play it. And then we get to wreck noobs. Yeah. Valid point. Valid point. Uh, is any? I mean, do you guys still like Apex at this point? I think yeah, yeah. I know Owen still plays some, but I mean, I play it because other people play it. I think it's it's better than the rest of the uh, battle royales, but it's still a battle royale. Yeah. I don't like any of the other battle royales, and I enjoy Apex Le- Apex Legends quite a bit. Yeah. I will say they, they tackled some key issues that I think were always a problem in Battle Royale. One was just like waiting forever on games um, and mm-hmm. long game times. These games are pretty short. They and the second one quick. really is respawning. Um, but I mean, I guess if you're called Respawn Entertainment, you better come up with a method for <laughs> respawning yeah. people. Uh, but That's in this game, point. if you go down, you know, there's a little crate on the ground with all your stuff and you can pick up your teammates I don't know what it's called, but it's a little thing that allows yeah, you to like respawn. Yeah, like IT, dog tag. Sure. Uh, and you basically take it to these little respawn stations around the map, and then you can get them back in the game, of course, with none of the loot or items that they've picked up, but they're still in the game. So yeah. it's not just the classic battle royale where all of your teammates die, and it's just you for the next 25 minutes running around the map trying to make it to the last circle. I think it definitely solves the problem of, you know, you do a hot drop, and one of your friends dies... And instead of you then being like, well, my friend's out of the game for the next 30 minutes. Let me go kill myself real quick yeah, so I can play with them again. Now you're like, well, hey, I have their tag. I can go res them and they'll be back in this game. And so like, if you die early, you, you kind of stick around. You have an incentive to root for your friends instead of sitting there being like, hey, can you die so I can get back in? Hey, can you die so we can restart? Like, hey, I know you're doing well, but like, I'm, I'm still dead. And now I gotta wait forty five minutes for the next thing. Like a bunch time of gets my longer every time somebody mentions it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a bunch of my favorite like moments in that game are based around like respawning people and having to fight to like get them out and alive. Because there's this one game where both my teammates died because they ran in sort of different directions for no reason. No way. So I went and murdered the two two of the people on the enemy team. Who was fighting them and then i rezzed both of them and then i watched one of the guys who was crawling crawl off a cliff so i just chucked a grenade to the bottom of the cliff killed the third guy it was great one of the best games ever 
I, it was all based around that. I think additionally the class-based mechanics of this game make it feel good too. Um, primarily because of Grapple Boy and Wraith. Yeah. What is, what is the Grapple guy's name? Pathfinder. 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 Just having like the ability to, you know, you have specific classes to either manipulate uh, uh, zones, you know, zone teams out, or if you're just pushing somebody from behind, there's a lot more options you have than a normal battle royale where you just kind of hunker down. Oh or man, you're you know in the what Chad crew. told me? If you put out uh, Medic Chick's little heal bot, and then you put Gibraltar's shield on top of it, and then you push wow. against the the bot, you can move the shield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> My favorite is silly. My favorite new thing has been watching the videos where people play Wraith and then they'll create the little portal and they'll mm -hmm. just run the portal all the way to the edge of a map where a cliff is and set it and tell their teammates not to come through and the rest of the team just, you know, the opponents follow and then they all just die off That's the edge. That's such a good idea. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> it's pretty great. I really like in that game they do a good job of most of your abilities can be used by enemies sort of. Like, the portal can be used by enemies. The mm -hmm. heal bot, if you throw that down, enemies can walk up and be healed by it. Which is cool. You can't shoot out of the dome. All the stuff like that, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it's cool to see also that they've decided that, you know, um, not they just don't want to release... First of all, the fact that they released this game in secret is just all of a sudden out. But hey, yeah. here's new Battle Royale. Oh, all of a sudden we have millions of players. Um, but now also the fact that they've already released a new gun and it's only been two weeks since the you know initial release date of the game. Granted, they may have had that in planning from a long time ago, but at least they're phasing things in to keep people you know incentivized to come back. Oh, yeah, and March is I think supposed to start like the first season. Yeah, quote unquote, mm -hmm. where you'll have like some sort of battle pass presumably with progression. Oh, I'm sure there will be. They'll probably do something Fortnite like where it changes the world a little bit. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, they may end up doing different maps. That's the one thing we were talking about. They always intros the map you're playing on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's true, it does. And it, like, names the map. Yeah. That would be cool so. also, because that's another thing that Battle Royale suffer from, is always <laughs> using the same map. Yeah. Um, and swapping it up a little bit would be cool, because people just get too good at figuring out how to manipulate where, you, where, you know, where the location is on a map where you are, how you can hold points, choke points, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll have to see how it goes. Uh, additionally, I've been playing a couple other things. We can get back, getting back into uh, a little bit of Rocket League. I think they just sucked me back in because they reset your ranking on occasion. And then you're like, oh, I should go play this again. And then you destroy people. And then you get re-ranked. And then you get beat again. And you're like, okay, now I remember why I quit playing. But, you know, it's still Rocket League. It's a cool game. Uh, and we've also been playing some Full Metal Furious, but I might, I might say that for you, Jake. Yeah, I don't have much to talk about, I know, so I'd appreciate I know. that. <laughs> Gail, what have you been playing? Uh, well, I have been playing a ton of Sunless Skies, which, to give you a brief description of this weird game, you fly around in space in a train locomotive. What? Yeah. <clears throat> and you, uh, you can do, like, trading between various ports. And you like uh, accomplish it, or you go through different quest lines based on like officers that you have on board your train, and it's uh it's pretty cool. The atmosphere is awesome, and the writing is very very good, which makes the quest lines pretty great. And this is the second game in the series. Yeah, it was uh, preceded by Sunless Seas, 
and it is better than Sunless Seas in pretty much every way. The most important way being that in Sunless Seas, when you went to port from port to port, you could alt-tab out of the game for 20 minutes, alt-tab back in, and be almost at the port you need to be at. Oh my and gosh. And just nothing happens along the way. This game, occasionally things happen along the way, which is great. So it makes it useful, and the ports are closer together in general. The map's just sort of smaller, it seems. Mm. So that's much better. Because it takes out all the stupid, boring parts. Right. And gets you to more story. That's yeah, pretty good. I haven't had to eat any of my crew members yet, so that's good. That's eat weird. Them. Yep. I had to do that. That's, in some that's, that's, like that's an interesting mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, when you run out of food, what are you going to do? Eat people, I guess. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Sad or die. No, well, someone did die. Yeah. It's that or everyone dies. How about that? Is there an mm. option to do it without anyone dying? <laughs> you just like just eat like people's slowly. legs. And yeah, like, slowly gnaw on a leg. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to. <laughs> I don't believe there is. Well, worst game. At least not in seas. I have gotten to that option in, in skies. If there is. Mm. Uh, other than some of the skies, I've been playing uh, a little bit of Anthem. We, Alex and I haven't gotten too far into that. But it's pretty fun so far. Um, mostly, it's a lot like the demo that we talked about. I think we talked about on the podcast. They have uh, a couple quality of life upgrades since then. I yep. was going to ask because there were some things in the demo that were just kind of. Eh. What, were, what were you in about specifically? <laughs> uh, the movement speed while you're in the main uh, marketplace. It's like you the can, slowest walking speed ever. You can sprint in there now, and also they added an option to where if somebody's trying to pull you into an expedition, you can just hold R and you get warped to your javelin. That was the other thing I was going to mention. Perfect. Excellent. Yeah. They fixed problems. That's good. That's good. Uh, yes, they have added a few quality of life things since it came out. I guess the day before it came out, they added a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, did you guys pick it up for story specifically? I love the gameplay in that game. Yeah, okay. the gameplay is a lot of like the second to second gameplay is a lot of fun actually. Is, uh, I'm playing Interceptor and it's just freaking I'm a ninja. <laughs> I don't even shoot my guns. I just like flip around the map constantly. I'm slicing dudes and throwing toxins around and getting combo auras. Are you yeah, still playing I, the heavy dude? Caleb? Yeah, I play Colossus, mm. so I just sprint around smashing people with my shield and shooting mortars everywhere. Quite and, a bit of fun. Mini nukes or something. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the mechanic of the jetpack for combat is great because you can just hop up into the air, repossession real quick, and get a better you know sight light on people or whatnot. And right. that that makes makes you so mobile in combat, even when you're playing the giant enormous guy with a shield. I want to talk about mobility, interceptor. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you triple dash. Three whatever. three jumps, triple three jump. dashes. <laughs> You can so hover cool. in the air, and like from the air, you do like a whirlwind spin out with your knives down to the ground and slash somebody in the face. It's great. That move is kind of cool. And uh, your daggers detonate. There's a whole combo system that, you know, primers and detonators. The combo system is really cool, and how every class has its own like different type of detonation. That's the coolest thing. Um, but we'll move on. I've, already, I've been playing a bunch of Metro Exodus. I actually already beat it. You beat it. I beat wow. It. <clears throat> How long is that game? Uh, it took me like 20 hours. Hmm. I think. 
Uh, Epic Store doesn't keep track of your hours, so I don't know for sure, but I think it was around 20. I was about to go store. check your time. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Got it for $10 cheaper in the Epic Store. Oh, yeah. Uh, but cool. that game is great. It is, I think, like the perfect expansion to what the Metro games were, where they were these tight, claustrophobic, linear mission gameplay. Exodus expands those into sort of these larger sandbox areas where there's some side quests and whatnot, but without making it like a whole open world thing. And there's a mod system in the game where you basically have five, maybe even six, um, base weapons. So you'll have like a revolver, a shotgun, a rifle, or whatever. And each of those weapons, you can keep finding different mods for it and changing the way it works. So one of the best things, the pistol, you can make it into like, you know, just your normal silenced pistol that you carry around for stealth encounters, or you can turn it into a long range rifle with like a 4X scope and just murder people (laughs) with it from long range. It's, it's so versatile. It's so cool. I like it a lot. That sounds exactly like the gun mechanics from Stalker. Yeah. It's Um, those, but I think better. I'm pretty sure that's S-T-A-L-K-E-R. Yeah, <laughs> is the game. Oh, I'm sorry, about. It's yes, different. you're right. You're right. And they kept the freaking pneumatic weapon from the previous games, which oh my gosh, that gun feels so good to use. Oh. Very cool. You like physically pump up like the air. Yeah. In addition to reloading, and like you can craft ammo for it on the fly when you're out in the out and about. One thing that's weird about this game, it needs so many keys. There's a key for so many different things. The flashlight. You got a lighter as well. You got to charge oh, your flashlight. It's nuts. So many keys isn't, required. Isn't this the game you played with your night vision goggles on for the first like 40 oh minutes or something? <laughs> oh, Yeah. I freaking, I got the night vision goggles and I was like, cool, sweet night vision goggles now. And then I was running around and I think, I think I just changed areas. And then suddenly I had like a, what do you call it? Like a vignette, vignette around my screen that looked like binoculars. I was like, I don't have my binoculars out. What's going on? It was driving me nuts. And I couldn't activate my flashlight. That was driving me insane. Out, still had the night vision goggles on. So hitting F like toggles the night vision. But you also got to take them off if you want to use your flashlight. <laughs> or if you want to get rid of the stupid vignette. Gosh, Absolutely incredible. Dr- I thought my game was just bugged out for super long. Pretty great. Oh, so dumb. But the game's great. And it turns out there's like a small morality system game. Um, so be very careful if you want. Because I murdered like one group of people and I got the bad ending. And it wow. was one group of terrible people. So I don't know. I I got the bad ending in like there's a I think there's a good and bad ending for each area. I got the bad ending in the first area, and I don't think I killed anyone, so I don't know what I did there wrong, but something. I've, it's something wrong. I've been killing a lot of people. <laughs> I didn't know about this. Well, just Gosh. keep going on that trend, I guess. Don't you traditionally like play the mass murderer in single-player games, though, Alex? No, I'm like <laughs> the paragon, usually, but I don't... There's like nothing telling me these aren't the bad guys, so I just shoot them. Yeah. Just everyone you meet? Not everyone, but usually, like, I came across this group, they had this guy in a cage, and so I murdered all the people that had the guy in the cage, and I let the guy in the cage out, 
But the guy in the cage was like one of the members of the cult that I just escaped from that was trying to kill me earlier. So actually, he might have been the bad guy. And the other guys were just kind of living. The important thing is that you got all the details before you killed everyone. (laughs) I mean, you sound like a very well-informed person. It was a bunch of people ganging up on one dude in in a cage. And I'm like, all right, video games. These are the bad guys. Save the good guy, right? That's how video games works. Not necessarily. It could be the bad guy in the cage. Well, the, there's a mechanic in the game where if you kill most of the bad guys in an area, some of the other ones will just surrender. And I think <laughs> if you kill any of them, it looks very bad for you yeah. in the game's logic. So like, I, went, very bad. I went through the cult area and like the church and eventually like six dudes surrendered to me because I was murdering fools, <laughs> murdering fools, just cold blood, just taking them out. And... They all got real scared and surrendered. They're all on their knees with their hands up and everything, begging for their lives. And I was running around in circles. I couldn't figure out where to go. And then I was like, well, maybe I have to kill everybody to get to progress. <laughs> so I went around and murdered everybody that was on their knees. Yep, you got the bad ending in that section. Play Paragon, yeah, what is wrong says. with you? I just didn't know. I thought, I thought I was stuck. And then I realized that I didn't go out into this one spot where there was a door. And I was like, oh. Mom. Whoops. Uh, yeah, you guys should check out Metraxis. It's very good. Um, Alex and I have also been playing some Vagante, which this is a game that had been on my wish list for like literal years and never, ever, ever went on sale until this last Christmas sale, I guess. But it's a four-player roguelike dungeon delver. A little bit of platforming in it. It's kind of like um, Spelunky, I guess. Before yeah, player multiplayer. Very Spelunky-y. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty fun. Uh, the game starts out with only three classes. So thanks for that, developers. Four player, three classes. <laughs> great choice. God, I hate Seems that. Seems to be a theme recently. Luckily, we unlocked a fourth class, so it's, it's all right. But, man, that's annoying. Game is hard. Game is very hard. We In get Division, to like the... do you ever actually unlock a fourth class, or is it just permanently three classes? No, it's it's just the three threes. I don't even know if I'd call them classes. You're right. You you can't necessarily call them classes because you can swap between. You can take things from multiple sections, so you can just be a hybrid. I don't know why you'd ever start with a tech class because that sticky grenade does like half the damage of a normal grenade. Yeah, but it's on a cooldown. Yeah, but it's sticky. So you have infinite of them. Yeah, pick up more grenades. Bullets do equivalent (laughs) damage as well. Yeah, and bullets also seem to do about the same amount of damage. Yeah, bullets don't do much damage in that game in general. I feel like. No. Everybody's just bullet a big punches. bullet sponge. Yep. Yeah, we're going to talk about The Division 1 now. Everyone buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. daisy But that, that's the end of my list. That's, that's next recording. Yeah, yeah, next, yeah. Next recording. Jake, how about you? Uh, so, I have not been playing much, actually. Uh, I played Kingdom Hearts 3 more. And I know we talked about that on podcast, but I don't think we talked about how none of us really like it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of wears out its welcome very fast. Uh, It spends a lot of time on the story, and the story goes nowhere, but very fast. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) There's like a million characters, and they're like, here's Zlobodach. You remember him from that spinoff game three years ago. Yeah, every world, it's like, oh, another X character that you don't remember who they are at all, because why would you? Like, and do you get to fight them? No. No. Why would no, you fight you don't. them? Like I don't the know, most... because they're great fights in Kingdom Hearts 2, maybe? No, no, we'll just skip that for Kingdom Hearts 3. The most condemning thing I can say is literally you go to the Tangled world, and Donald goes like, <laughs> which means, Sora, why did we come here? 
And Sora goes, I don't know. And I'm like, well, fuck it. I mean, sure, I guess. Yeah. And then you play the Tangled world, and the Tangled movie happens, and also Sora is there. Yeah, you don't interact with it really. Like, you hang out with Flynn and uh, Rapunzel. Yeah. Almost forgot her Good name. Good job. <laughs> but, like, and you don't help really. Like, nah. you fight Heartless, and the plot happens, and, like, that's kind of it. You're just yeah. kind of like bodyguards. It's really bizarre. It's really not good. The same thing happens in Frozen World. The story just the Frozen story plays out. It plays the entire Let It Go song, and Sora appears once in the cutscene. So great, man. It's so because like even the spinoff games do a better job of that. In fucking Birth by Sleep, you do Sleeping Beauty, and one of the characters kidnaps Sleeping Beauty. Like, yeah. that's a thing he does. And it's like, wow, that's super relevant to that plot. But here they were just like, eh, whatever. Also, the special moves still suck. <laughs> they take forever. They feel like they, a lot of them don't even feel like they do a lot of damage. No. I don't know. Maybe this it is just It sounds me like they I'm got like, licenses and just like, we have these licenses. What do we do with them? But like, Disney's backing them. It's yeah. not like, oh, we just got these. It's like Disney was like, here. Yeah, everything so like, that's ever been made because we're Disney, we own it all. <laughs> and so like, we gotta put it in if it's available. They don't do anything creative with the worlds at all. Like even the freaking Toy Story one. Where do you go? You go to a big toy store. You don't. You don't fight like a human, like Sid. You don't fight Sid. That'd you be amazing. F- you fight a big doll. <laughs> yeah, you fight a big doll, which is weird. <laughs> it is the best part of that thing, I think. I mean, sure. You don't have to get into a mech for it, which sucks. Wait, even worse. Monstropolis? Do you go through doors to other worlds? No. You go through doors, you know where they go? Same freaking warehouse you're already in, different spot. What is the point? Why so much wasted potential? <laughs> and there's also only like eight worlds, I think. That eight? sounds right. Neither of us have been I feel it, like... so we don't know for sure, but yeah. it's... That's probably ballpark. I feel like Kingdom Hearts 2 had a lot more. It did. And did way cooler things with them. You also did each world twice in Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah. Which was really cool, because you think you're almost done with the game, and then they're like, bitch, you have to do everything again. And it's great. It's that's, very good. That's cool? You fight. It actually <laughs> really is. Say, uh, that sounds like artificially extending like, the gameplay. It's, I, I think it's, it's really good. cool, because you, you go back, and like the first time through, you're fighting all Heartless, and the second time through, you're fighting all Nobodies, and it's like... The plot is like escalating. It feels like a progression. Mm-hmm. This and you fight again, all of the organization people. You just like go, and they don't know why they're there, and you're not accomplishing anything. And a bad guy shows up, and they're like, "I'm the bad guy," and Sora's like, "Ugh," <laughs> and then like they just like leave, and it's like, "Okay, I guess we're done." I think they just got their licensing, and they lost their writer, and they were like, "Guys, we I can don't... still do this." I believe. Do you have any idea on? If you were to finish this game, would it end the story? I'm pretty sure this is the last one that they're making. Okay. But I don't know, like, I don't even know what an ending would look like. It just because everything's so insane. Yeah. Like, time travel's already in there. So it's like, <laughs> no ending is an ending. Because just go back in time. There's 13 copies of the main villain, roughly. Two, like five copies of the main character, two copies of the secondary character. It's insane. I don't know why it's like this. But yeah, so I've been super disappointed by that. But I also played Full Metal Furies, 
which is the best. No, it's not the best game that came out last year. Celeste came out <laughs> last year. But one of the best games that came out last year, I didn't play it last year because it's four-player cope and I didn't have anyone to play it with. But I've been playing it with you guys for the Humble Rumble Fundable, and it's fucking great. I love it. It's really fun. It's like Castle Crashers. We've talked about it before on podcasts, I think. <laughs> yeah. But I have significantly better. It's great. The writing it's not in it, significantly awesome. better than Castle Crashers, but it is very good. I like it a lot. I don't think Castle Crashers is memorable, considering I can't I, remember that much about it. I don't either. I think you all are wrong. Castle Crashers <laughs> is a great game. Do you just I like the narration in that Fury's game? Because I, I feel like that's what people like about Castle I Crashers. I like everything about Castle Crashers. Uh, yeah, I don't... Hmm. Nope. <laughs> Agree to disagree. Okay. <laughs> Cool. Good. This was a good discussion. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a great discussion. Oh, and please take this away. <laughs> oh, hey. So what I've been playing, uh, other than Apex Legends, I've been playing the new Civ Six DLC. Um, yeah, I was wondering why I keep seeing people play that. I didn't yeah, realize the DLC had come out. They they add a new DLC, um, which incorporates global warming into the kind of civilization stuff, which is really neat. I was oh. actually watching a video of. Like like a global warming expert, I guess is his title. Um, like it's a guy that went to college to study global warming, and he was talking about like how well they incorporated in like the global warming disasters, and you know you have a little tracker that tells you uh, how much CO two has been emitted and how that's affecting your um how how it's affecting the atmosphere, like what's the um degree change of like two celsius uh, you know hotter or whatever like that and he's saying he's like yeah no this is actually what happens like with with this much uh increase in temperature you see that much of the ice cap melting you see this much of your land actually going away into the sea which is one of the things that happens is some of the coastal tiles will go away because they're coastal tiles then uh as the sea levels rise so it's actually a really kind of neat thing that affects a lot of the end game I also like some of the new civs that they added into it. The Maori are pretty cool. So it's just a, it, it's, it's a neat thing. I I think that this is the last DLC they're doing for Civ 6. So this is kind of the, hey, everything's patched up as good as it's going to be until we decide to make Civ 8 or 7 or both. I was going to say, they're Skipping stuff. New Microsoft. System, guys. Yeah, well, they'll pull you know the every numbering system. It'll instead of Civ Seven, it'll be Civ. C- you know, like X One Zero or something dumb. Sate. I don't know. They'll just call yeah. it Civ. Period. What's a What's a Windows Nine? Nah. <laughs> um. Windows Ten next. So yeah, there's that. I've also been playing some Overwatch, which is. You know, surprising to absolutely nobody, but it's just because of the fact that A, we got a new character, and B, Overwatch League is happening, and that's oh pretty my cool. God. <laughs> Do we want to talk about Overwatch League? Do we want to get into this? Uh, I just wanted to mention that it's happening. Uh, I The other thing that I also wanted to mention with it, other than just kind of it being ridiculously boring since everyone's playing the same yeah. comp. Let's talk about fucking Ghost Comp. Goat's Every- Comp is a cancer. I hate it. It's the most boring <laughs> game to watch. And is everyone's it- playing the same comp right now? Yeah. Everybody yeah, plays it. It beats meta. everything other everything else you can play. Who, who's yeah, who, who's in the comp? So Goat's Comp is Reinhardt, Zarya, Diva, 
Lucio Zenyatta Brig. Three oh. tank, three healer, three, no yeah. damage. Very boring. It's that is boring. The idea is you get a bunch of tanks and a bunch of healing, and you run at them. <laughs> you run at them really fast because you have Lucio, and then you hit them with hammers. Yep. And it's really boring. Literally, whole fights will go. There will be like five ults that go off, and no one will die because they're all tanks and all being healed all the time forever. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty bad. I also am just amazed considering how much the actual like Blizzard tried to stop goats from being a thing. They're like, yeah, we're gonna make Reaper super good. We're gonna make McCree able to kill tanks, and like they like knew that this was gonna be a problem, and they put in things to try to solve it. And instead of like actually talking to the pros and being like, hey, what would stop you from playing goats comp? They just kind of did this thing that they thought would work, and it didn't at all. And so instead of because the pros are still doing it, and they're not playing any of the characters that got buffed that have higher damage or anything like that because the second there's like a reaper on the field everyone knows just kill that person first and they still live through it because he's still not that good and instead of it affecting pro play it's just pissed everyone else off well i mean generally speaking if you're playing on a pro team right you're not going to swap strategies if something is just absolutely decimating every team you come up against yeah so like what i mean can they fix things can they Reduce overall healing? Can they... Well, they there is a lot of... Dis- See, the Overwatch League commentators were interviewing the pro players and being like, hey, what would t- like what would get you to be- not play comp? Or, or, you know, not play this comp? And a lot of them were saying a lot of very interesting ideas and how, you know, if nerfing Brig even more or just taking her out of the game at this point basically would make them play dive comps or something else that I mean there's always going to be a meta but I kind of wish that they would make a meta that's at least interesting to watch well I mean you kind of want people to watch your your pro league yeah and that's kind of the thing that I feel weird most about is the fact that we, this is being broadcasted on ESPN and Disney XD. Like other the the deal that they put out there with Disney and ESPN and all of them was basically, hey, run our championship game and you'll also get everything for season two. And so they did the one championship game, which made a lot of everyone being like, oh wait, there's like an Overwatch League. Maybe I should pay attention to season two. And here season two is, and it's fucking awful. And I want no one to watch it. <laughs> like it's it's not good Overwatch by any means. It's also very interesting that a lot of weird teams are doing better than expected because of the comp and it's like oh hey this team that didn't do well at all last season won a game against a really good team from last season because they're playing really dumb comps that take barely any skill to play so it's uh it's pretty bad but what i was trying to bring it up for was that i went to a watch party in person to root on the first game of the Washington Justice, and that How was are they like doing? they're they're zero and two right now. Um, you know, but but I would say that we played the two best teams in the league as our first two matches, and without our fucking star Wunderkin child because he's too young to play. So 
I I view it as kind of like a hey, we we at least gave him some black eyes, but we definitely lost the fights. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So like, I went to a viewing party where there was all of this kind of like they had Overwatch trivia and they had a photo booth and they were giving out gear and everyone who was there rooting on the team. And it was the first time that I was like actually there for like kind of like a a live, uh, you know, esporting event, and it was kind of cool. It was very, very neat. I went with some people that were not that into Overwatch, and they seemed to have a very good time, even though they had absolutely no idea what was going on on the screen. They were at least enjoying the kind of revelry of everybody cheering on or booing at the same times of what was happening on screen. So, hey, I thought about e-sports. that before because we, Alex and I, have been to a couple Dota international tournaments, and I'm pretty sure I could take anyone there that enjoys any type of sports in general, and they'd be pumped. I think it's just seeing people in action being really good at what they're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so- I mean, I've seen people watch some Dota, professional Dota with, like, commentators just, like, on a, if it's on, like, a TV in a living room. And they will ask questions, but they'll be, like, getting into it just from, like, the hype levels of, like, the casters and people yeah. that are actually into it and stuff. I, I, I feel like if you've got a good production value behind what you're putting out mm-hmm. that you're going to be able to have a good experience and i feel like that's kind of where we have this weird what esports are really tracking and which ones yeah. could possibly track but didn't or haven't yet i i think that's a lot of the thing of just being like i i know that there's like PUBG and Fortnite tournaments but i haven't seen or heard anything about them really other than they exist but then i look over at like the grandeur of what dota's up to or how like league of legends has like like ar bands playing to warm up the crowd before Mm -hmm. they play or whatever and you're just like oh okay so like these guys are doing stuff like this is this is an event versus just kind of like one year people playing one year when me and aaron went to go to the international it like Dead Mouse just came out and performed. <laughs> we didn't know he was awesome. going to be there at all. Like the tournament's over and they walk out. They're like, "So, uh, yeah, Dead Mouse." And then that was it. <laughs> and, like he just got on the stage and started playing. It's crazy. Cool. So weird. Yeah. Like, okay. So yeah, I mean that's kind of what's been happening in the Overwatch League in the Overwatch game. We have a new what? character that was released today. Yeah, I was going to ask, is he on the PTR already? He, uh, he is so. on the PTR. Okay. I did a little bit of time with him as well as watching a bunch of pros play him uh, over the course of today to be able to talk about Baptiste, our new pl- uh, support slash damage player. Support damage? Yeah. yeah. So his primary fire is a slower soldier uh, like gun. It's like a three-round burst, right? Yeah, it's a it's a three-round burst. Uh, burst. Uh, you have your alt fire, which is basically a healing rocket, uh, grenade launcher. So it does like splash damage in or uh, splash healing to your teammates. So, uh, he also has a kind of heal everybody around you ability that is instantaneous unlike lucio's so that kind of heals you gradually over time this one does a smaller amount and 
like just instantly everybody in your kind of AOE range gets, I think it's like 50 or 100 health, something around there. It's not a ton, but it's still like, hey, everyone gets healed near me. Uh, and his other ability that he has is he has a little drone that he can throw very fucking far, but the drone emits a invulnerability field that anyone in that field cannot die. You can get damaged, you can get CC'd, and, but it will stop you and give you, I, I think it like keeps about 30 health. Is what oh. I was seeing. So mm. you can take as much damage. You can have a Bastion next to you, and he can just be lighting you up. But as long as that field is up, you have you will end with thirty health. Freaking shallow grave. Um, <laughs> yeah. So stealing Dota stuff. It's it's a very neat thing. The one thing that I think that is quite good about how they have balanced that because it seems insanely broken is that you can shoot the drone. Kind of like the same way you can shoot Riss's alt. So you can destroy the thing that's emitting that field. But you can still live through a lot of stuff with that. And you can also... It it hovers in air and above. So it's kind of a open target. But you can still hide it behind walls. A Rhine or a Rissa shield are still tall enough to block it. Block for it. So you could easily like throw it behind a Rhine or a Rissa. You I mean- then... Is it also protected by its own immortality field? No, <laughs> no, no. Okay. That would be yeah. kind of absurd. <laughs> yeah, so so it you can be inside it, of it. it. Pretty much what you do is, if you see it, you shoot that. And then his ultimate is a a kind of like small door window kind of thing, a little bit smaller than Maze Wall. That is a damage door, basically that you just put up wherever, and any bullets or projectiles that run through it have double damage on it when it lands on its target which is nice like you can really light some people up with that you can put it on a cart with a bastion behind it and just decimate people so it's a neat thing uh but it also i mean jake and i were discussing that the nice thing about it is that it doesn't help goat's comp you know, right. when when your main sources of dealing damage are people that are swinging with hammers, it doesn't help you with your hammer swing. So sure. that, but I do feel like this character could be put into Goat's Comp because you have splash damage, AOE heals, you have a ability that is on a 15 second cooldown that you could just throw out during any ultimate and have your team live through, and then you guys just heal up after. I mean, it would still, if you time it right, I know a lot of the pros are going to be looking for that drone to come out and to shoot it down quickly. So I feel like it's still a bit more risky than it would be to have a Lucio on your team that, you know, you just press Q and everyone lives. Mm -hmm. Um, But how much health does the thing have? uh, It took three uh, Farrah shots. Oh, so a decent amount. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's got some health. It's it's not just like, oh, I you know can just like peek around a corner and take it out. I think it takes at least you know two or three Widow and Ferris shots at least that I was testing out. But if you focus it as a team, yeah. it'll go down quite easy. Plus, like right. I said, it's floating in midair. So it, it's it's going to be above a lot of the walls. You'll see it above a lot of people, so they're not going to be able to like body block it with their invincibility, right? 
And this field is just like it's just like a cylinder, right? And it doesn't yeah. have a top. You can shoot over it. The sphere, uh, probably. It's it, yeah. No, it's like, a cylinder. He was it's, right. It's, it's, is it's it not. Really? It's not a straight. I know. Up surprising, cylinder, Aaron's though. right, but <laughs> I, I, I mean, it is. Most things are spheres. That seems well, they made it a uh, cylinder. If I'm a Pharah and I'm above it, it, like there's there's a cutoff point. That does to... not mean it's not a cylinder. Yeah. Cylinders have tops. <laughs> but I, I'm just saying is that like it doesn't like go infinitely into the air. If you were flying above it, you can still get shot down. You have right. to stay like you know relatively close to it. There is a cutoff point. Well, I just. Like... I feel like yeah, that's okay. better because you can you can you know you're kind of opening the top of the. Well, I guess you're still taking damage through it though, so I guess what's you're the not, point? You're not. You can't lob damage into it. Ah, okay. It's if you are within this cylinder, you cannot die, and you're right. on the right team, I guess. Right, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. As long as you're inside of that, you can take damage and still be stunned, but you will not die. You will mm-hmm. still be able to live, and then you know, as long as you have somewhat competent supports you then just heal everybody up while it's happening and then they go from you know having 30 health to back to full and then you're like cool i basically just pull off a does it last it, uh, so your cooldown is on 15 seconds it la- and it's 15 seconds from when it's dead not from when you launch it and okay. i think that it lasts a good five to six like, yeah, it, it lasts, like about six seconds. It it lasts enough that you can throw it on like a Zarya alt and live through it, or something like that. You can get diva bombed and live. I was just thinking about like if you're like trying to hold a choke, you just put it just around the corner where they can't see it. Yeah, and that's then like what, stand in the field. That's what I would do in the choke and just shoot everybody and not die. Now the the one thing that to to be careful for is that any of the characters that might be able to boop you out of that range because even if you are mm, sure. slightly out of that field you will die. Like I saw Seagull playing and he had his like arm poking out of the shield and that was enough for him to be dead. So you have to definitely be like well inside that field. Well see now to balance this game they just need somebody who does an infinite amount of damage under a specific kill threshold. Mm-hmm. Just like X. It'll be perfect. It'll be like the Axe-Dazzle combo. <laughs> uh, I was also going to mention, it looks like his amp shield that you can change the orientation, which I feel like that's one of the first things you can do uh, may well in the game the that way. way. Oh, yeah. I guess Metro Wall. Yeah, Metro's Wall. Yeah. It's a nice try, idiot. I tried. Yeah. I tried. <laughs> I tried. I don't play enough in this game, guys. <laughs> Correct. It would be cool if Arissa could do that from a distance. <clears throat> oh, my teammates are about to die. Let me toss this shield over here at this other orientation. Yeah, yeah that'd be kind of neat. Actually. That would be nice. I'd like that. So that way you can kind of like chuck it down a hallway, but still have it facing the way it needs to be facing for right. when you get to the end of it. Yeah, that'd be good. Right, right. Um. Also, while we're talking about video game things, uh, I'm glad this is on here talking a little bit about review bombing things. I recently we were talking about Metro or Metro Exodus, and of course, I've never played the original one, so I was gonna go back and uh, either play them or buy the buy the remastered versions. And of course, if you look at them, they are terribly reviewed right now on Steam. Uh, I think the last one I looked at was like a twenty percent uh, yeah, rating. The recent reviews are. Terrible because of what Ep- what Epic chose to do. Right. To their, well, 
And it was just, it, I think it might not, not have been a, such a poor decision if it wasn't made at the last minute after people had already made pre-orders. pre-orders. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was a terrible decision that I mean, they should not have s- done. When you see a post and it has a picture of the physical box and somebody is peeling off the sticker for the Epic Store and underneath it is a picture of the Steam Store icon. Oh. Like, yeah. I mean, you know that That's you, you waited look. around a little too long. Yeah. Yeah. So I, Alex and I were talking about this review bombing stuff and how it's kind of absurd. Like a company does something you don't like, so you review bomb a game that they make, even if that game is legitimately great. Mm-hmm. And a recent uh, sort of thing that happened, there's this game called Devotion. It's made by a company called Red Candle Games. And the game was reviewed really well. And then somebody noticed that they had... I think it was like a picture or something mm-hmm. that likened Winnie the Pooh to the president of China. And that is not <laughs> cool over there. Like no, at it all. is not. So uh, the game got review bombed and eventually got removed from Steam, which is crazy. And their previous game, Detention, which I like a lot, uh, got review bombed as well. And weirdly, uh, with Metro Exodus, sort of... So first of all, with Devotion, it got review-bombed, and then Detention got review-bombed. And then a bunch of people have been posting reviews recently, um, positive reviews of Detention, saying, yeah, this review-bomb is stupid, this game's great, play it, which is great. I really appreciate those people doing that. But uh, a weird thing happened with Metro Exodus, where the other Metro games got review-bombed, but Metro Exodus got, like, the opposite of review-bombed? There's a ton of positive reviews on Metro Exodus that just complain about the fact that it's not on Steam anymore, which is But they're weird. positive. They're positive reviews. Yeah. Everybody's like, this game's great. I hate that it's not on you know, Steam. It's only on Epic now, but well, I mean, the there's even great, a, so play it. There's even a notice on the Steam store about how it would like Steam. They think it was a terrible decision to remove the game, right? Yeah. This is not just exclusive to what's been happening in video games, though. I don't know if you saw the story about how Rotten Tomatoes is changing how they do their tomato reviews because of review bombing. Oh, really? Yeah, because apparently uh, they were having issues with and like the big example that everyone's currently pointing to was that people were review bombing um, in, in both directions, I should say. Uh, Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, that's right. And and they were like, no one's seen this movie yet. Yeah. No one should be able to review this because it's not fucking out. Well, I mean, they were so, review bombing because of comments she made, right? I, yeah, I don't know why people were review bombing it, but basically, Rotten Tomato was just like, hey, if you haven't seen the movie, you don't get to review it. So they just took away the ability to like pre-review things until like the actual release date, and they're like, if you want to review it, you gotta come back on the actual release date of the movie, and then like put in your review or whatever. Because I mean, they're like, this is dumb. Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> like, in what world is it like? No, some people want to review it before it comes out. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I can edit my review later. Yeah, that's anarchy. That should <laughs> never have been in there. Saved for my future review. Uh. Just that does back for- that just sounds like a band aid. That doesn't sound like that's gonna fix anything. Because then that's they'll just not. they'll just come back on the release day and do it on anyway. Release day, yeah. Well, also, I mean, at least they're that- not gonna have an, a lot of upfront negative reviews before release date. That's because like, um, people aren't gonna go do positive reviews before they go watch the movie. Yeah, yeah. That's I, that's only the user reviews, right? 
Like they weren't yes, getting right. into the critic it's, reviews it's, somehow. It's only they? the years reviews. Critic okay. reviews can still happen. But yeah, no, it's definitely one of those things that you know when you're online and you're reading any review, you always have to think about the fact that most reviews are always going to be negative because you have to take the time out of your day to review whatever this thing is. And very rarely, if you had a good experience, are you going to be like, yeah, you know, it was such a good experience. Let me talk about it. Whereas it's always just people that had bad experiences that are just like, this restaurant is awful. This movie yeah. sucked. I hate my Uber driver. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's usually like one or five stars. There's not like, yeah, this is all right. This is a uh, middle-of-the-road experience. Just to jump back on the devotion thing with Winnie the Pooh, uh, mid-last year, John Oliver did an entire segment about oh, yeah. uh, President Jinping. And same yeah. thing. He had he had the like side-by-side. -side. HBO's website got banned in China. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. So he went wow. like doubled down the following week and was like, oh, no, look at the resemblance, folks. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, I love how John Oliver just fully goes into some of those things. And he's just like, oh, yeah, I'm banned from this country that I was never going to go to. Yeah. Who fucking I mean, cares? He makes fun of HBO's parent company all the time. He did the same thing with like a um, coal executive. He made fun of him and was like, yeah, he's probably going to sue me for this. And then the guy <laughs> sued yeah, him for did. that. <laughs> he, did. Uh, he did. He absolutely did. It's pretty great. I'm looking at these reviews on the friggin' Metro Exodus page. A ton of them are just copy and pasted. It's it's two hands with their middle fingers up and the word Epic Store, words <laughs> Epic Store in between them. <laughs> I see and a it. bunch of them just say, awesome game, but then they have that in their positive reviews. <laughs> yeah. Great. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I was I was t telling you before, like I was reading the forms the day the game came out and it had a very positive overall review yeah and there was people in the forums like i'm so disappointed in this community like how how dare you all rate this game positive <laughs> with how anti-consumer their their move was and then like other people would reply like but it's a good game so <laughs> yeah. like what am i gonna do like say it's a bad game because of something that their publisher decided on at the last yeah. minute i think that's pretty dumb to review bomb something for like you know, to be clear, did. 4A made the game, and they did not choose how it gets distributed. It's their publisher right, right. that decides that, right, so that, like right. they didn't even have a, a choice. Even if it was them, I don't know that review bombing the game is the yeah. It's still solution. it's like this is a a forum for discussing is this game worth playing or not? Is it good or bad as a game? Yeah. Um, just to jump on our sort of last thing here in video games um and owen maybe you want to highlight on this is uh, the halo outpost discovery tour yeah i don't i don't know if anyone else has you know noticed what about this or heard about this but mm -hmm. basically it's kind of like a interactive gaming museum that they're touring around the united states it has a like vr arena that's going to be set up that you can play halo in vr against people and you'll actually be able to like hmm. run around the map in your human self but you'll all be seeing it as if you know it was in your uh as in halo with all of your spartan stuff on and everything like that there's like a bunch of like artifacts and warthogs and stuff that you could be able to you know like go take pictures with and touch and check out and you know, it talks about like a lot of the lore and merchandise and so it's like this kind of like big huge halo museum 
thing. It's just, it was just like very interesting that I've never really like heard a video game doing that. And I was like, oh, that seems kind of neat. If it was coming anywhere near here, I'd probably yeah. go. I just looked up and it looks like Philly's the closest. Yeah. So. They're, they're ah, only doing like four drive, guys. <laughs> they're, they're only doing like four or five uh places but i definitely was thinking outside of like oh i wonder if they'll do this for other games or if you know halo is very large i'm sure that they'll do this again but i was definitely thinking outside of like oh i wonder if like maybe blizzard will do this with overwatch and kind of have instead of just having their one big uh blizzcon we'll also have just kind of like a oh hey here's an overwatch museum that's you know going to your town's local museum and you can go there and look at you know them how they developed the game and you know stuff about the overwatch lore or whatever and i was like this could be really cool i'm about this this should happen more often is this just a huge promo for halo infinite it's gotta be probably i I would assume that they're probably gonna have stuff there talking about it Mm. um this is almost completely off topic but Speaking of ridiculous promos, sorry, I learned about this recently. Uh, there's a great anime called Madoka Magica. Uh, apparently, at some point, there was a big promo, and they put up a shrine to Madoka, <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome. That's a little extra, I feel Why like. Not? Yeah, cool. it very Why much not? so is. This, oh my gosh, this came up because I found out there's a show going on right now called Kaguya-sama. Apparently, there's a convention happening soon. And you can submit an application to be Kaguya-sama's um, servant. Oh, Christ. And, like, legitimately, you just, for the voice actress for that character, you just do everything that they want you to do that day, <laughs> and you get paid, like, $1,800. Whoa. I mean, hey, yeah. if you're getting paid, I figured it was going to be a free thing. Yeah, no. I kind of did, too. Yeah, <laughs> Here's your reward. It's so absurd. Sorry, um, that's completely unrelated. I meant to mention this a while back. The the VR thing about the about Halo actually reminded me. Um, there is a sort of open warehouse environment VR experience in Kansas City now, um, where they put everybody in in Oculus Go's and you run around a pre mapped warehouse playing various games. Is um, it like the Void? I think it's similar. It doesn't look like they have a lot of the external. You know, like air and wind and water and that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Sure. Um, but you're still fully disconnected and moving around. And the two things right. they played so far, they did Arizona Sunshine. Nice. Um, which seems cool. And then they did one that looks a lot like uh, Sea of Thieves, almost, where you're playing oh. on a pirate ship and everybody's sort of manning the ship and the cannons and uh, moving around and shooting it. VR. Right. And and so they're like, I'll send you guys a link. But basically, they're showing like this little like room, and you you stand across the room from each other but there's kind of like a wall in between you so you you know you couldn't see your team or the people you're playing against even if you took a headset off but you're both playing as like opposing ships and fighting is seems really neat that sounds super cool you have to share that with us yeah uh did bringing up the void did that ever actually come to northern virginia because wasn't it supposed to be in like tyson's it's supposed or something? to be in tyson's yeah i don't know i, I don't look think it up. it's done yet Oh, okay. Because it's not like a full, or is it a full void? I mean, is it like I the full thing? Hmm. Interesting. Um, okay, let's move on to a couple other things. Uh, number one being tabletop stuff. Um, I just wanted to mention this because clearly I mention this every time we have a podcast. I finally got Root, which I'm super freaking pumped about, but that game's expensive. <laughs> what I did not know before buying the expansion is that the original game, you can play two to four players, but when you buy the expansion, that goes from two to four to one to six. 
which <laughs> I mean, hey, why not? That's uh, great. They added in a basically automated player. If you want to play single player, I don't know who in their mind would want to play that game single player, but you can play against one other faction basically. Um, and that is the cats or whatever they're called in, in game. And it just automates the play of that. They're called the mechanical uh, version of whatever they were. It's neat. Yeah, two player game, uh, two player route just doesn't seem great. It seems lopsided. Yeah. Like it, I mean, the fact that it's like, unless you have a um, sort of balanced opponents in that game, it doesn't go mm-hmm. well. Makes me think that if you're only playing with two players, you have nothing else going on in the game. It's going to be very difficult to like make it competitive. Right. I feel like it could do eerie versus um, who's the cat people? Uh, whatever they're called. I don't know. Yeah, off the top of the birds, right? I feel like the they're mostly against each other in the main game anyway, and then they other are. stuff kind of mixes it up. At least you, to be fair, everyone played it once, but it seemed like that. I mean, you could also play the Forest Alliance versus the Cult because they have a very similar mechanic as well, which is just picking up people in random uh, outposts. Anyways, uh, I just thought it was neat that they decided to expand the game to reduce the number of overall players. <laughs> Never really seen that before. There's a lot uh, of games that I get on Kickstarter that are like, oh yeah, you can also play a single player. And I'm like, oh, that's what? weird, but okay. I mean, co- cool. <laughs> I like the experience of board games because you're with other people, but I guess, you know. Yeah, that's mainly like why I like it, but. Uh, I also wanted to bring up, and Owen, it's up to you if you want to listen in for spoilers here <laughs> or or not. Um, I just, just let me know when to unmute myself. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, um, I do not want to be spoiled on this. Okay, okay. Uh, we wanted to, I wanted to talk a little bit about Betrayal Legacy because I feel like we have not mentioned this game since we started playing. Is that correct? Yeah, we this about game's it great. Whoa. It's insane. We're yelling. Mm-hmm. Let's, use, let's use our padded room voices, okay? <laughs> oh, this game's great. It's there you great. go. For the record, the padded room is a room where when your character's in that room, you, the player, have to whisper everything you say while you're in there which is funny it's it's, it's great it's... until it happens when the haunt starts <laughs> yeah and you're stuck that way for everyone else's turn even pretty funnier. much pretty much pretty much gosh um i will say this is probably so i've, I've played uh, several different legacy games at this point um this has probably had the most twists and turns of any legacy game i've played Really? More um, than more than Pandemic, huh? Yeah, Pandemic, it does have twists and turns. And it's like, it's. I mean, they're dramatic. But it's not in the sense that it is um, so story developing and story following and integral sure. to what's happening in that current uh, time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the cool thing about Betrayal is that everything is like sort of progressing over several hundred years. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Pandemic, in pandemic it's just 12 months of a, of a calendar year. Uh, that you're actually playing during, and each month, sort of something happens that you have to resolve. Um, but in this one, it's just cool how not only are the the things we're adding, like events and uh, item cards and omens, impacting the game, but also some of the things that we've encountered while we're playing the game. They don't necessarily they're not pulled in from the legacy deck, are also tying directly into the story, and I think that's really unique and cool. And I can't imagine how many hours it probably took to sit down and think <laughs> about. How exactly to write this story out? No kidding. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to mention uh, if if you know if you're listening and you play Betrayal, Betrayal Legacy is a very fantastic game. We are on week I think six. Um, that sounds right. Yeah, sure. 
It's a 13 month campaign. And it's not like betrayal or it's not like pandemic where if you lose, months. that's very, that's very misleading. Well, uh, it happens well, over like years and years. Sorry. <laughs> it is a, it is a 13 playthrough yeah, uh, legacy that. campaign that you're supposed to play once a month for 13 months, but we sort of expedited that process. A little bit different than Pandemic in that win or lose, traitor or not traitor, you still progress the story. Whereas in Pandemic, if you lose, you have to redo the month. So Are you I think there's... to play it once a month? Is that not just a Pandemic thing? I expected that just to be a Pandemic thing. No, I'm pretty sure it's, it talks about it being like that's the sort of starting frequency. I don't, I don't know that it's a, something you have to stick to. But yeah. I mean, it I makes hope sense not, for we're pandemic. Not doing it. It just, I, for betrayal, it's weird because it happens over like 30 years in between each game. So it's weird I mean, to say that it should play monthly. It would be cool if you played that game during its exact timeline, you know. Mm-hmm. You started one, and then 30 years later, your ancestors played it. Yeah. You're like, what happened the first time we played this? I don't know, because <laughs> they didn't play it the first time. Okay. Cool. It's okay because you leave a tiny little log. <laughs> that's true I mean, the name of the characters this is the name of your actual name yeah it's just your actual name and you're and in you actual house at that point in that, you're out you, just you gotta get your life. child to play next yep. time if you don't have a child you better freaking hurry up better make one and there's gonna end up being somebody who's like 123 years old and still playing for some reason because that <laughs> happened in our game I think it was only 100 right and no, even, even though it was like 100 and some 225 oh, really? some or something like that yeah he yeah, was real sure. old I owned the house character. for a long time, dude. There's a lot I of mean, magic in that house. You did. You did. You owned it for a while. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if we want to spoil much more, but I just think the game's great. I'm, I'm super pumped about it. And playing on Tabletop Sim has actually worked out. Other than literally the first week, I think we have not really <laughs> had a problem playing yeah, the tutorial sim. was actually super Knock cool. On I very much like what they did with the tutorial. Yeah. Except that you almost ruined it. Hey, man, you ruined it first. It's not me. How did I ruin it first? You looked at them all. Oh, oh, I didn't tell anybody I looked at them all. So I didn't ruin it for the, everybody else. I just ruined it for instant, myself. Instant you said, oh. I was like, <laughs> well, now we're all just thinking through our minds what could possibly have gone wrong. And that's one of the only solutions. Oh, it could have been one of the only answers. Could have been multiple few people. answers. It's not even like you tried to cover it. You're like, oh, yeah, I, I'm going to have Janae text you. Oh, I gave Janae my phone to text <laughs> yeah. you. Okay, so, shut up. I didn't have a lot of time, okay? Up. Okay, so now that we've talked about this for so long, do we want to just elucidate? Elucidate? Yeah, yeah you don't perfect. want spoilers the for the tutorial. Just skip ahead. You shouldn't have listened to this whole minutes. part of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So the end of the first haunt is like, okay, one of the people in the house has turned into a witch, but you're not supposed to know who is. So take these cards, shuffle them up, and deal them out. And when they die, they flip their card and say if they're the witch or not. Well, it gets to the end. It turns out there's no witch card. Everyone's just people. And you just kill crazy. each other for no reason. Yeah, you're all just crazy. <laughs> Well, it's a pretty good. It's, it's a pretty good it's little play. It's pretty fun. It's yeah. awesome. I think it's a, such a good intro to the, what Betrayal Legacy is itself. Yeah, and most importantly, Gropthor always wins <laughs> <laughs> because House Gropthor will always stand. Not, is Mopthor still alive? Mopthor is still alive. That was wow. my most recent character. Mopthor Gropthor. <laughs> oh. Benjamin Franklin, the inventor of daylight savings, wins. Also, <laughs> don't forget. Don't you forget? Yeah, we randomly had a um, national treasure themed haunt. That was <laughs> fun. 
<laughs> Which kind of was that? It was the dolls because I had to name all the dolls, so I needed oh, names. Right. Yeah. So yeah, one yeah. of the dolls was named Benjamin Franklin, the inventor of daylight savings. We had Nicolas Cage. We had Sean Bean. We had Riley. the girl from National Treasure because I didn't know Sean her Bean. name. It's not even his character's name. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was just Sean Bean. Whatever. Sean Bean. As long this, as he died, that's all that matters. Everyone, I lost very hard that haunt. It was not. Yeah. It was that's not true. close at all. Uh, my family was very good at dying, so <laughs> that's got that true. one covered. <laughs> it is how you died. This most recent haunt was your family was good at dying, so you became the traitor, and we killed you again. That's yeah. true. Classic. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, the game has stayed true so far to the betrayal sort of play, uh, oh, the play style of the normal game. In that, you know, you, I mean, it feels very lopsided. Uh, from game to game, which Some I feel like is them. always the way it feels. Some of them do feel relatively balanced. Definitely like, not the like most the, recent one we played. I feel like the furniture one ended up pretty balanced. Like yeah. half of us died and half of us were able to finish the mission out, which yeah. is pretty reasonable. Yeah, this most recent one, we got the haunt almost immediately, and it was one that like destroys rooms of the house. And, like, we had, like, five rooms. Like, yeah. it was tiny. Like, turn one, we couldn't go outside anymore. That whole zone was just closed off to us. But we rallied some... I mean, really, it was because Aaron got incredibly <laughs> lucky in game four <laughs> in the stat we needed to win at the yeah. twilight hour. The helm gave it to take us. Yeah. It was magical. Yeah, you have to find out what the helm is, because that thing yeah. is that thing's not going to ruin that. Uh, let's be honest. The best part of the entire play, though, is when, when Alex went up, punched the horse, and immediately died. <laughs> yeah. That was <laughs> really funny. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was good. But the whole oh, thing was like, you had to fight, like, you had to fight the horse to do that hunt. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, well, I'll try to fight it. And it turns out the horse was stupid strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Who would have guessed? Uh, good game. Uh, it's a little bit on the expensive side, actually, for a legacy game because it had seventy-five bucks. Which, yeah, that's expensive. Yeah. It's a little heavy. Itself is like sixty, though, right? So I feel like it's that's come down. It's not too far off for how actually, much is in that box. I I'm mean, curious. I wonder if Owen's played is, it at all yet. It's sixty on Amazon now. So yeah, I mean, I will say, uh, in terms of back. Um, writing and just overall content it definitely has less than what pandemic legacy season two has mm, really yeah um in, you know how it has that uh, in game and this no no spoilers here but there's this basic uh, basic sheet that they call windows and basically you open up a window as you progress the story and betrayal has one of those the first pandemic legacy had one of those pandemic legacy season two has 14 sheets wow. um each of with like I don't know, 10 or so doors or windows on them, plus mm. several hundred cards. So the amount of writing and content is definitely more in, in season two of Pandemic than it is in Legacy, but Herbitero Legacy, but which window season are you one on now? Is it seven? Say what? Which, which windows are you on? Windows <laughs> it was a dumb joke. <laughs> no, it was joke. great. Can it was you explain it more, though? Okay. It's funny. I'm on window four. Um, oh, I'm curious. Have you played Betrayal Legacy yet? I know because you're one of the people that I want to play it with, Jake. <laughs> well, I haven't been. I mean, I don't know. I'm not gonna set it up. <laughs> I mean, I know, but it's it's just the uh, trying to find time for you, sure. me, and whoever else to do it all. Okay, yeah, I was just curious because I hadn't heard, so I wasn't sure if you had like started. No, without me. 
Not it's yet. much easier to meet online than it is I was going to say, if you it's want true. a tabletop version, at this point, I think we're pretty close to making it where like perfect. anybody could... Yeah. You legitimately yeah. should put that on the workshop because it's very good. It is I'm, it's I'm, I'm incredibly doing, good. There's a lot of scripting that was done at this point, and I think we've gotten to the point where we're... You know, I have all of the old iterations and the old versions. I think we could just make it where it's... You know, once something happens, it updates, you click this button, and we're going to change the table layout, and, you know, I think it could be... Well scripted and well done. So yeah, and if you want that, you want to do it on tabletop, Sam. I mean, maybe after me I've I've done the the live copy. Yeah. Um, let's talk about a couple other things in tabletop uh, before yeah. we step out of here. Let's do it. Um, Owen, I think this is literally all you. Oh yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you've you've been playing a lot of games. Clearly, I have so, because I realized that. You know, in some of these weeks, I have not had a lot to contribute. So I went to a local board game meetup and played a bunch of board games that I've never played. Uh, so that nice. way, to have some things to uh, contribute. One you of the just things. Go solo. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Is this the place Made that does board cool games people? and wine. Yes. Nice. They, they also meet what? up and Where? do board games and ice cream. <laughs> Hang on, board games and wine, right? Where, where, is this, where does this happen? It, at Silver Spring, the first Tuesday of every single month. Do they have Silver Cat Frog? <laughs> if they don't have Cat Frog, I'm not going. I, I don't know. I can ask the next time I'm there. <laughs> Unfortunately, Caleb I'll be in New York Tuesday, so oh, frick. I will not well, be. I know well, Chad. well, now Chad's upset. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> uh, better well in the cats here, right? Yeah. yeah Chad's upset. Um, <laughs> well, one of the games that I tried over there was a game called Hanabi. Apparently, it's like a game that has been around for a while. Has anyone else played this? Never heard of it. Okay, nope. basically, it's like you all have cards that you cannot see, but everyone else can see it. And then you have to then tell people like what color your cards are or what number your cards are. And you then have to basically build like one yellow one green one blue one red one purple or something like that and then twos on top of that and then threes on top of that and then whatever your score is at the end is how well of a firework display that you people have done uh it's a bad game don't play it it's really fucking dumb <laughs> wow I, I may have bold faced live when i said i've never heard of this game because i definitely played this before what? with it's memorable and Sam and Cassie. Whoa. Wow. Oh, I have All played this game. Wow. We played this game. <laughs> Clearly, it's memorable. Yeah. So uh, it was all right, I thought. It's okay. Yeah. Wow. Here you go. Just don't play it. game that you should play <laughs> is a game called Railroad Inc. It's, it's a game where you have a bunch of dice, and all of the dice have random street and railroad kind of like connection points. And... You then, on your board, have to draw whatever it is that is rolled that turn. And at the end of this, you're the trying to get like the longest railroad, the longest road, and like the most points. Because if you have like the entire center of your board filled, you get X amount of points. And if you have this many starting points, you get more points like that. So it's kind of a neat thing of just you roll some dice, it gives you some things to draw, you draw it on your board, and then you try to make the best railroad slash highway with it. So it's neat. I'd suggest trying it out. I think it was like $25. It's all on dry erase, so you can just wipe it clean and then do it again with other people. It was it was a fun little thing. And I think it took us maybe 20 minutes to run through it with six people. So it was also quite quick. What was that 
dry erase game that we played when we were at Pax Unplugged with the that it should have been menus and restaurants. Guy Fieri's cross country jamboree. Um, on tour. Is that what it was on called? Tour. I think it was called on tour. But I oh, like I like really your version, close. Jake. <laughs> Guy Fieri's cross country jamboree. That's what it yeah. should be named. You yeah. copyright that name. Honestly. It's much yeah. better in the sense of menus. Just tweet and Guy Fieri. I'm sure he'll let you use it. Probably. Um. Also, while I was there, I played Unstable Unicorns, which we've talked about on this podcast. It's a fun <sighs> game. Play it. It's 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 a game. So it's it's like Munchkin, just like slightly better. It's this slightly is, less painful. Sorry, that's a good way to put it. Slightly <laughs> less painful. Yeah. So so this is the interesting thing is is that I played that game at the board game meetup, and it was probably the worst experience I've had playing that game. Oof. Haven't you played it like once before? I, well, I I had a good time playing it at. But so, that's a yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. And then and then I played it. Pax was terrible here. So, so clearly, so here's, worst here's the experience. thing. Here's the thing. I played it there, and it was awful. I played it again with some of Allison's friends, and it was great. And I think a lot of it has to do with the people that you play board games with, because playing that with the people at the board game like meetup. Everyone was just trying to calculate how best to win the game. Nobody was looking at it and being like, man, look at these unicorns. It's fucking dumb and funny. Everyone was just trying to be as serious as possible. No jokes were flying. No one was enjoying it. It was just like straight faced. And I was like, this is fucking awful. And when then I played it with Allison's friends and it was great. Because they were laughing at the dumb cats and, and the unicorns and it was great. And so I guess I was just, if you're... I was just going to say, I guess if you're playing with people that, you know, you just want to have fun, you don't really care about winning the game, and they're not ruthless and need to win, then it would probably be a pretty enjoyable game. But t- typically, I play those type of games with people who just want to win, <laughs> and you get to the point at which the end condition is preventing the end condition, yeah. and that's yeah. what the entire game becomes. To it's be fair, funny. why would you play board games if you didn't want to win? I mean... Yeah. We that's why we play cooperative this. at this point in my household because you know <laughs> otherwise we get in fights and you know that that's much it's better. great it's great we were but, actually talking about munchkin before the cast and <laughs> i said i noticed that everyone i've met who tells me i would like munchkin is someone who doesn't like any good board games <laughs> <laughs> so like it's a really good game for people who don't like board games because they just don't give a fuck but people mm-hmm. who like board games are like oh i want to play this game and like try to play it like it's a game and they hate it because it's miserable yeah yeah i i think that it just came down to who you're with because those same friends that i was playing with uh uh, with allison we also played the harry potter uh harry potter hogwarts battle game and playing that game with people that don't necessarily like harry potter would not be fun but like we were making inside jokes about about the characters of Harry Potter that like fans understand the inside jokes of. And there was a lot of stuff that they were doing that it wasn't just like, oh, my character does this. They were like, well, I'm playing Ron Weasley. So of course, Ron Weasley has all of the bad luck. Of right. course, I have all of the money troubles. And so it was definitely a thing that was just like, who you play with matters. Well, see, but I think in that instance, like, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle is probably the best cooperative deck building game. It's really good. It's I mean, very good. Granted, there are not a lot of cooperative deck building games in general, but the mechanics of the game are super well done, with the exception of one, uh, and that is locations. 
Um, the players in the game, everything is balanced. Like nothing feels <laughs> weird. It just I was about feels. To say, it might not be as good as Aeon's End if you ignore the character exactly. that's absurdly <laughs> OP. That's why I made sure to mention everything is balanced. <laughs> Still don't understand that guy. And you know what? Even searching online for Aeon's End and like specifically searching like whatever his name is to see if people are talking about it. Like very few people are like mentioning. I don't unbalanced. understand how you can play that game and not not like realize that that character is insane. Like. Yeah, it's really bad. I don't know. We it, must it, be playing it wrong. There's no other explanation. Maybe. I don't know. We have Go to be read reading that character in Have Janae read the instructions because she will make <laughs> sure she gets every detail correct. So the thing with Hogwarts Battle, though, is still it's all nice and balanced and that's all well and good, but it still comes down to if you get a few key cards early yeah. enough. And that's then true. It's basically a coin flip if you're going to win or not. Well, that's the one thing that I said is it's broken. But it's, it's the, so it's... detrimental to the entire game. Yeah. I, know. I need to put it probably on a um, uh, like a round-based turn instead of locations based on cards you flipped over. Uh, in the game, if you play, um, basically what happens is you have like a specific number of locations and dark marks get placed on that location. And when it's full, you lose it. If you lose all the locations, you lose the game. Well... There are a bunch of cards that put location or put the dark marks on locations, but there are very few cards in game that actually remove them. So if you get them early, you just What's never cool? lose locations. But if you don't get any, then you'd lose the game. So I think if they if they if they changed ever so slightly and they were just like, hey, we're gonna just progress the location as you know, you get a full round of everyone playing, might be a little bit more balanced. Maybe yeah. Yeah, we were the way that we were playing is we had one person that their entire deck and their entire build was to remove locations. That's all yeah. they did. And yeah. then my my person was Neville, so my thing was just heal everyone constantly. Yeah. Alex so, got um, Aeon's End Legacy, I think. Yep. Right. Which yep, yep, yep. hopefully they removed the stupid character from that. Uh, none of those characters are in it. You make That's your own. That's what I assumed. Okay. Oh, That's pretty cool. So hopefully that'll be on tabletop soon at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, you going to scan it in? I'm not saying Alex needs to do it. I'm saying I hope somebody else does it. <laughs> um, let's talk about some film and TV stuff uh, real quick. Uh, somebody has Alita Battle Angel in here. I don't know if like anybody went and watched it. You went and watched me. it? I, I saw it. How was it? Uh, it was serviceable serviceable <laughs> that's not really what we what it's, alex at least is hoping for like let, let me tell you something there's a, there's some weird parts in it that i was looking at and i was just like this is a weird way to wrap up a movie like i don't know what movie could pull this off in any way but pretty much the end of it and in film, basically, you always have, like, a good thing happened, a bad thing happened, a good thing, and then, like, it escalates itself into your, like, rising action climax and then re uh, resolution. And this kind of just has, like, a bunch of rising action, but it's all good rising actions, so you're just like, hmm. this character is OP, when is anything bad gonna happen to him? And, like, nothing does at the end of it, it's just like... <laughs> Here's all of this stuff. And there's supposed to be one scene that's supposed to be like a very major bad thing that you're supposed to feel really bad for. However, the acting of the character that's supposed to sell that scene is so bad, you just don't care. You're mm. just like, fuck it, fine. It better <laughs> off without this person. Continue onward. Sounds uh, like the perfect film. I was about to say, the <laughs> character, I know who's going to like it. Yeah, I, I, 
it made me interested enough that I want to pick up the manga that it's all based off of and just be like, all right, what is this? Like, because I've heard that this is a very good adaptation of the source material, and I'm just also wondering if the source material is poorly written. But, like, I would say world is really cool, acting super good, CGI is super awesome. Like, if you want just to see some really cool stuff and a decent story, yeah. go for it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I went on a Sunday and I used, like, my movie points or whatever in matinee tickets. So it was all of $10 for me and my girlfriend to go. Oh, and it was great. Oh, man. 10 bucks. Doesn't that hurt you, Aaron? It does. He got a matinee <laughs> with movie points. It was still $10. <laughs> <laughs> I can drive down the street and my matinee movies are like 425. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, for you. Go. It's 425 awesome. is worth it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I saw that. Uh my girlfriend and I also watched Sorry to Bother You. That's that's if I'm not mistaken, movie. that's one about the black guys who pretend to be white guy voice have white guy voices, right? Yeah, that's that's part of it. <laughs> okay. There's, so that's like, all the trailer gives you. So that's yeah, all I so know. the trailer gives you like a really good idea of what I thought the movie was going to be about. And I was like, hey, this is really cool. And I was like really on board with it. And then there's a like, plot twist like halfway into it. And I was just oh. like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> like it went from like this is a really good movie to something that I just kind of had to like just wipe from my brain as an ending because it was just so off the walls and just i i don't know i don't know where like they were like this seems like a good idea but i was just kind of like nope i'm gonna just pretend that wasn't part of the movie and retcon it surprising no one one of brendan's favorite movies of the last year (laughs) is it something super weird brendan's of course it it is yeah he loves devil man crybaby so hard what the heck uh, also, other things that we've been watching is The Dragon Prince Season 2 on Netflix. Go watch it. Dragon Prince is great. Also yeah. watch The Umbrella Academy, which I think Jake So I've watched both of, of those now. Oh, The Dragon Prince, it's actually pretty good. It's made by the people that made uh, Avatar, Last Airbender. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Last Airbender. Yeah. It's not terribly long. There's like nine episodes for each season. Longer so, than four. Huh? Longer than four episodes. Yeah, it's longer than Castlevania. It's true. <laughs> hey, um, season two of Castlevania uh, was great. Yeah, it was. It season was. two of Dragon Prince is pretty good. It's uh, I would say better than season one by a considerable margin. Oh yeah, but yeah, I I would also suggest checking it out. And I finished Umbrella Academy today. I'm um, I think halfway through it. I don't okay. know where I'm at in it. I'm currently on the episode that is called "The Day That Was," yeah, so okay. I don't know how far in I am. Um, uh, Umbrella Academy is pretty good. It's pretty long, I would say. It's got like 10 episodes, and each one's an hour. So it's pretty considerable. But uh, storyline's pretty good. There's some weird, silly parts. Like the the way they made the big buff guy look is really silly. <laughs> like the first time I saw him on screen, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to like well, this he's, show. He's supposed but, to be a human head on an ape. Yeah, but he's not. I feel like he's not supposed to be just like silly looking and yeah, he very much so is, is weird looking here's the thing okay so that was one thing because i read the books ahead of time as did owen yeah and i was not sure how they would do it because there's shit like that that is like objectively silly looking yeah but like i mean so i've only watched the first episode so what the fuck do i know but so far i like it yeah it's a pretty serious show though right very yeah. much so okay yeah. 
Yeah, I was, I was definitely expecting it to be a lot more lighthearted. Like, the comics have a lot more, like, tongue-in-cheek black humor in it. No, that really. I don't think that this... I mean, I think the, they just see, gave it all to Seance. It, well, yeah, like because he's goofiness incarnate. Like he's the yeah. only one, but that's all he is. At least I as far you're as I'm about aware. Klaus, but sure, yeah. He's sorry, sure. I don't know their real it's... name except for like two of them. I mean, Netflix also likes to take adaptations and make them significantly darker than I think what they should be intended for. Probably true. It's it's definitely a thing that I'm watching, and I was just like, I've, I have sailed the ship of me thinking that this was good. Like, this is not something that I'm coming home and being like, oh, man, you have to watch this. It's such a great adaptation of Umbrella Academy. I'm looking at it and just being like, the comics are infinitely better. And not even just slightly. Like, it's just very much two different stories. And yeah, I don't know how the comics compare because I haven't read them. Oh, yeah, it's so pretty good. It, it, they, they have a lot of the same characters and there are like these moments that continuously happen that I'm like oh this is like Umbrella Academy that is something that I would want to show people and be like yeah if you like that read the books it's exactly like that but it's very few a lot of it is just kind of end up being this kind of like oh this is odd and I, I think part of it has to do with the fact that they're combining multiple books worth of stories into one go they're not mm. just doing um the apocalypse suite they're trying to take the apocalypse suite and book two and i also think parts of oh, the really? um hotel apocalypse as well and throw it all together and i'm just like oh this is this just becomes like a hodgepodge of a lot of stuff oh hmm uh for i was going to mention for significantly amazing programming um star trek discovery i know we don't have a lot of star trek people in here but awesome season two is uh, yeah but but don't i have to like pay for that i watched it yet whoops it is stupid because it's on cbs all access (laughs) thing. i I hate it i hate it i will tell you now i would watch that if it wasn't on a streaming service that i do not have and i have no interest in other than maybe watching that if they had that on anything else i'd be like oh shit this is really good i want to watch this but they don't and i'm just like meh i mean i grew up watching star trek and that's why i like it but i also started telling all the people that i know that watch sci-fi to watch it because it's just so well done on some aspects especially the second half of season one and basically all of season two I was about to say, is season two as good as the second it's better. Half of season one? It's, it's better. It's better. Oh, yes. Oof. Yes. Because they really pull in. I mean, they're they're like really going back to like the whole thing about um, Next Generation and Discovery or um, um, Voyager was all about like meeting and encountering something that they could not explain and did not know how to react to. And that didn't happen a lot in, in the first half of season one for Discovery. It did a little bit in season or sec, the second half. But in season two, that's like the whole premise all the time. Mm. That's just all they're doing. And it's awesome. It really pulls you right back to like what Star Trek was kind of meant to be. Man, I really need to start that then. Um, any last items before we, uh, before we wrap this up? Anybody have anything else they wanted to mention here? 
No. <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> I mean, we could have sat for another minute, but... We could have. We could have. It's been, been like five hours. This started when I was a young man. <laughs> this started well, when you were been a long number five. Yeah. It has been a long. It has been yeah. long. Thanks so much for joining us. Again, you can check out some of the other stuff we worked on on our website, weirdhorizon.com. Uh, additionally, we're about to get off here and go record our first Humble Monthly Rumble Bundle Vaudible. And the first time in a long time. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is the first one. You're right. In a long time. In a long time. Just the first one. Shut up. In a long time. You didn't let her finish. (laughs) That's all on you. A long pause in there. I hate you. Thanks so much. We'll catch you next time. This week's podcast was edited by me, Aaron Juno. Other voices this week include Alex McCoslin, Jake John Federkyle, Caleb Juno, and Owen Patterline. This week's music was again brought to you by Amer. You can check out his music on Spotify, or you can also check it out on soundcloud.com forward slash Amer. Also, this week's podcast was again brought to you by Reclaim Industrial, a small but amazing shop of makers, designers, and fabricators based out of Bluemont, Virginia. You can check out their website at www.reclaimindustrialwithane.com. Additionally, you can check out everything that we do, We Are The Horizon, at our website, www.wearethehorizon.com. We have a lot of video posts as well as links to other content we've done in the past. Again, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.